Today we are continuing our series called A Good Church. And we talked about the church laid out in Scripture. When we think of church, we think of a lot of different churches. But the Bible, specifically the New Testament, really only speaks of one. It's called the ecclesia. The word means called out. And we said last week that it's so much bigger than a building. The church is the eternal kingdom of God that Daniel talked about and dreamt about. It was the spiritual kingdom that started at Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost there in Acts chapter 2. And it was the body of Christ that Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the bride of Christ, which we're going to be talking about if you're in Bible class there, coming up in Ephesians chapter 5. This picture of a people is so much bigger than often what we give it credit for. Acts chapter 2 is our sort of our theme verse on this series, and if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, that would be valuable. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 is page 1,168, and there Luke, writing this orderly account about the church, writes this. This is speaking of those who were, as he says, were added to the body that day. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So last week we started by saying that a good church is devoted to God's word. And we, we use that as the standard by all things are measured for everything that we teach and for everything that we practice. That's the, that's the original design. That's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' Teaching. This week we're speaking of this idea of the church being devoted to the fellowship. Now, if you are, uh, ha- have an interest in studying the topic of fellowship out, you'll know that there is a word for fellowship. And the Greek word, it's a, another fun word to say. Last week we learned ekklesia. Uh, this one is koinonia. It's fun to say, uh, just all the time. So let's practice it together. Koinonia. Uh, well, we've sounded about like the day of Pentecost here. Uh, koinonia. Let's try it again. Okay, and it means simply a sharing, a fellowship, a common participation, a group gathered together for a purpose. Now, we've probably experienced different degrees of koinonia, but where we should always experience koinonia is in the church. I was thinking a lot of this old song. It's not sung much very very much anymore, but it is a good one. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those who love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill the word. Such a beautiful song, but even better, a beautiful picture of koinonia. So when we think of koinonia, we think of this group that's together. They are in fellowship and they are experiencing the highs and the lows of life. When each can feel his brother's sigh and with him share Heart, when sorrow flows from eye to eye and joy from heart to heart. You now know why I'm not a song leader. (laughs) 
the the idea is not that we're just gathered together when it's convenient. It's that we are with one another through the thick and the thin of life. When, when, when we laugh together and when we cry, when we share together heartaches and sighs, this is the idea of koinonia. Now, that's fellowship. The, Acts 2 says they were devoted to the fellowship. Now, that's important. Because we probably have lots of fellowship in our lives. You, you probably know a bit about the heartaches and sighs of the people that you work with or the people that you go to school with. But, but in Christ, we have a deeper fellowship. Now, this fellowship starts, of course, with being together. In John chapter 17, we're talking about our, Jesus is praying for his apostles. He knows he's going to leave them soon, and in verse 20 and following, he recites this. This is page 1,159. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. By the way, that's us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they may also be in us, that so that... So that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, the the koinonia is much more than just you feeling good and getting the warm fuzzies. It's really about a holy mission of God. When people in the first century, no doubt, when they looked at Jesus and say, wait a second, is that, is that a zealot over there? What's he doing hanging out with that tax collector? They knew there was something different about Jesus. You see, unity in Christ does not mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we all think the same, have the same experience, uh, uh, process the same way. But, but what Jesus does is he brings us together, and that was his prayer, that we would all be one, just as he and God are one, so that the world may believe. Because the world doesn't see much unity like that anymore. I was trying to think of an example. I really couldn't. The, the world is such a unified place right now. It's really hard to think of a negative example. But maybe you can think of one. The next challenge is to move from being in fellowship. Which by the way, if you're baptized into Christ. Whenever that happened, whether it was a few days ago, a few weeks ago, several decades ago, when you're in Christ, you are in fellowship with other Christians. It's the, the quality of being. It's who you are in Christ. There's a second aspect to that, and that's being devoted to the fellowship. There's being in fellowship, and there's being devoted to the fellowship. Being in fellowship is who you are. Being devoted to fellowship is what you do. How you, how you manifest that in your actions. Talking about in Bible class this morning about the fruit of light. Fruit is the manifestation of the result. It, it is proof that something's happening within you. And so being devoted to the fellowship is often what happens when you are in fellowship. Now, being devoted to the fellowship requires a very basic and simple thing. To be together requires us to gather. 
You and I, human beings, get worse when we are in isolation. I can't fully point you to a book, chapter, verse on that. Except when Genesis chapter 3 where God said it's not good for man to be alone. There's something about us, something within our nature that when we get off by ourselves, sin seems to flourish. We tend to drift from the Lord. Often human beings get worse in isolation. For, for all the well-intended people who make the rules, social distancing is not good for our soul. It, it, it does something to us. Uh, I remember during the, the, the deep days of the pandemic, I went and talked with Tyler one night. It was time for him to, he was going to bed and we were just chatting and he said, Dad... No offense, but I am tired of being in this house with you. He was saying something that's true. We, we are built for relationship. He was saying he needed to get out. He needed to be with people. Wanted to be with his friends at school. Wanted to go work at Chick-fil-A. You know, he, he needed those things. You and I do as well. We're worse when we are left to ourselves. God knew this, certainly. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. The writer writing to Christians who've come out of Judaism. And they are tempted to want to go back into that. And the writer's making the case how in every way Christ and the body of Christ is better. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and following. This is kind of in the, the, the vegetarian phase of, of Hebrews chapter 10 because there's a lot of lettuce in here. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The church was designed to meet together. And I understand in all of 2020 we had to pivot and we had to figure out ways to do it when we couldn't do it. But so many people, remember the time when we lived, you know, church was basically Zoom land. You know, we were on Zoom or we were watching on live stream and I would come in here, and I would preach a sermon, and I would stare basically at that camera. And I would leave depressed, and discouraged, and demoralized. Not because of anything you did, but because you all weren't here to encourage me. I didn't get to share, I didn't get to shake your hand, I didn't get to hug you, I didn't get to see your smiles, I didn't get to hear your stories. That happens when we fellowship together. Hebrews chapter 10 has been used in a legalistic way. It's been, you better be here Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, every time the church meets, every time the building's open. That is not what the writer of Hebrews was saying. He's saying it's good for you to be together because you consider how to stir up one another 
to love and good works. You encourage one another, and you do so all the more. You see, encouragement is one of those things, it's... um. It's kind of like bathing. It's, it's good to do it once. It's even better to do it every day, right? You need that in, you daily encouragement. I can cre- preach the most encouraging sermon. You can leave here on cloud nine and just be com- super encouraged. But by Monday morning, it will have worn off. And by Tuesday afternoon, it's gone. That's why the church meets together to remind each other of who we are and where we're headed. May we not forget that. The church meets together to stir up one another toward love and good works. Have you done that today? Because you can be in this building for an hour and not stir up anyone. Did, did Did you talk to anyone on your pew when I asked you to? Did you welcome anyone? Did you look for anyone who's new? Did you talk to anyone who you've known for decades? We got to stir up one another toward love and good works. Did you, did you encourage anyone today? The word encourage means literally to give courage. Now, I can do that to some degree, but you all can do that to the degree of five or six hundred. We encourage one another. Let me give you an example. I was talking about the beginning. I go out on my deck in this season, and we, or I, build a fire in the chimenea. Now, the key to building a chimenea fire, first, to start it, you got to gather the wood together. You can't just take one single piece and light it. It'll go out quickly. So you gather small pieces together, you light them, they build a fire, you put bigger pieces on top of that. It's a process of stacking. That's why they call it building a fire. To keep that fire, you have to keep adding to it. You have to keep adding to the fire to keep it burning. Now, there comes a point in the evening when I know it's time for me to wind down and get ready for bed. And so, I stop adding to the fire. Now, I'll still stay out there with it, but what happens to the fire as it burns without adding anything to it is that it begins to gradually, slowly, the flames go lower. And the the wood will keep burning, and eventually it'll disintegrate and won't be able to stay stacked, and it'll fall apart. The fire will burn out, the pieces will gradually separate until at last you're just left with some coals. The same is true for you and I. This morning, today, here together, gathered together as church, we have the opportunity to build a fire, to build one another up, to build and encourage each other. But if we don't keep adding to that, if we don't keep doing it every week, as we have opportunity to build up, I know some people, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really want to do a small group. It just doesn't do anything for me. I I don't really, Bible class is not for me. It's good for the kids, but I've learned all the Bible I need. I don't, I don't, Wednesday night, it's busy. We got stuff. We got ball games and everything. I just want, And maybe you've forgotten 
that church is not about you. That when you're not here this morning, this evening, Wednesday night, or whenever the church meets together, it's like a tiny little piece of wood being taken off the fire. It's not as bright as it could be. It's not as warming as it should be. And so, as we have opportunity, the writer of Hebrews will say, let us gather together. Let us build up one another so that the fire does not go out. You see, the more we gather, the more we grow. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church that he loves, giving them some deep teaching as well as practical application. But, But note what he says in the beginning of the letter. This is page 1204 in the Pew Bible. Romans chapter 12, we'll start in verse, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1, we'll start in verse 8. He says, for, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, that asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, he he writes, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Think about this. The Apostle Paul knew the church at Rome. He said their faith was being proclaimed through the whole world. In, in, In our world, it might say, man, that live stream is going everywhere. People are sharing it all the time. People are watching it on YouTube. It's amazing. So many people are watching and seeing your faith proclaimed. He says, I'm praying for you. He says, I mention you always in my prayers. But even though the world had been hearing about their faith and his prayer life was permeated with uh, the thoughts of his brothers and sisters at Rome, what does he say? Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, verse 12, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I hope, for those of you who followed Charles' instructions, that you turned inward and you looked at one another and you faced one another, that you looked into the eyes of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I hope that you thought, oh, I need to go talk to them. Oh, I'm so glad to see them. You see, what was happening in that moment was we were mutually encouraging each other. You see, being at church isn't about you. It's about who you can encourage who you can build up, whose stack you can add a log to. Don't misunderstand if you're watching online. Online is fine. We've been doing online since before online was cool. (laughs) But every single person who watches online, not because they, it's just easier, but the people who watch because they physically can't be here, you know what they tell me? I wish I could be there. I love that you provide it, but I wish that I could be there because it's not the same as being there. Think about it like this. Every year, 
our youth group goes to teen camp. They gather on the mountain. In theory, I suppose you could have Zoomed the entire teen camp. You could just do that from here on out. You wouldn't have to, to pay to get a bus and rent out facilities and wouldn't be near as hard to do. You could just Zoom the whole thing. Be easier, cheaper, faster, etc. But it wouldn't be the same, would it? Because there's something about being there. Something about being in a place where your cell phones don't work real well. I know there's places. Something about being in a place where you're, you're bunking together in a cabin. Something about sharing a meal together. There's something about walking along the dirt path. There's something about going up the big hike together. And in the process of being together, something happens to the group. And so every year, often during camp, but especially at the end of camp, the youth group will gather together and they'll sing a song. Would you guys help demonstrate? Not everybody knows the song. I'm not the youth minister anymore, so I can't, I can't, I've forgotten it. How does it go? Stay standing for just a second, because I want you all to see this. That's why fellowship matters. That's why teens need that. But you want to you know a secret? We all need it too. Sorry. We all need it too. We need that. Fellowship is designed to be face-to-face Brother to brother, sister to sister. This is why we have such a strong youth group. Because we're intentional about fellowship. Truly being devoted to one another. You guys can be seated. Acts chapter 2 gives us another sweet picture. This is back to uh, the verse that we started at. Luke describes that church in this way. He says... All who believed were together and all had all things in common. They were selling their possessions, belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Look at that picture again. What do we see in the early church? A group of generosity, a group of togetherness, a group of hospitality, a group of worship, a group of prayer, a group of partaking together and giving to each other to the point where they were selling their own possessions Not because anyone forced them to, but because they were devoted to one another. Northsiders might experience Pentecost in something that we are familiar with at Rock Springs Ranch. We share in living space together. We eat together. We play together. We have classes together. We worship together. And so may you and I be devoted to gathering together. 
together, to meeting together. If you're watching online and you're able to come online or to come in person, I would encourage you to do that because there's nothing, oh, nothing like being assembled together in person. Now, we understand if you can't, this is not a guilt trip, but if you have the opportunity to upgrade just a little bit and go to in-person fellowship, there's nothing, nothing like it. Okay, that's it. Sermon's over. As with all things, what's going to make the difference here is not more information. It's more application. So, let me give you one final challenge in honor of a good friend and brother who graduated this week. You all know, many of you do, that Ron Mock went on to his victory in Christ after a long six-year battle. And the reason that I bring up Ron and Ginger too, she's great at it too, is because Ron was our people shepherd. This was mentioned in the memorial service. Steve did a great job. Often, when I was here on Sunday or Wednesday, I didn't see Ron in here. I didn't see Ron in class. Where I saw him most often was in the foyer. Now, now it wasn't because he was trying to skip out. He, he, would, he would say you should go to Bible class and all of that. But what Ron was doing was watching for people. He was looking for new guests to meet, to encourage, to connect, to build. Ron was as good a fire builder as I've ever known because he loved people. And so this morning, after the final amen, I want to give you the Ron Mock Challenge. And it's this. I want to ask you to stay here at church. I want to ask you to stay here with the church in the building. I don't want you to make a beeline for the exits. I want you to stay here, whether in the foyer or just here in the pews. And I want you to do what Ron would have loved you to do. To stay, to mingle, to fellowship, to encourage, to build up. So that we all can encourage each other for the week to come. You need to leave early? Okay, I'll give you grace on that. You got to go to lunch? Invite somebody along. Can't take them to Chick-fil-A, I'm sorry. If you can't do it today, say, hey, how about you come over to the house tomorrow evening? Find an opportunity to encourage, because that's what fellowship is all about. The church is headed to heaven, but we've got to encourage one another along the journey. The church is headed to heaven. My question is, are you? There's no way to go to heaven except through Christ and being a part, being added to his church. If you're not a part of Christ, if you're not a part of that body, I don't know why you wait. But this morning now we're going to present to you an opportunity. And so if you'd like to respond to what Jesus said to do, to simply believe and be baptized into Christ, to be, Acts chapter 2, added to the church added to those who are being saved. You can do that this very morning. We'll be glad to help you, and it would do our hearts great good. It would encourage us 
And it would be good for you and be obedient to the gospel. If you have would like to respond to that invitation, our shepherds will be at the back. Head to the back. Let them know if you have any other spiritual need. Once you head to the back, as together we stand and sing.